Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You have found the Shanty Pants Show. All the questions that box you in To classify your life with the stroke of a pen Take those old rules, crumple them, and throw them out We're burning that box right now Hello, Shani here. Although I am most often recognized for my ridiculously comedic fashion and makeup tutorials on my social medias, I also have a deeper side. I have been learning, growing, and recovering so much in the last couple years, and I'm thrilled to bring you along on my journey as I continue to break the mold that I've been living in for far too long. I am so fortunate to have the privilege of interviewing some movers and shakers who are encouraging my healing process through sharing their own stories. I'm honored to bring these stories to you all in hopes that you too can learn, grow, and heal, and also to remind us all that we are not alone. Welcome to the Shanty Pants Show. My name is Peter Mutabazi. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I've got two, four kids, adopted one, fostering three, and we've got two dogs. And they're, they're service dogs, correct? Correct, yes. Yeah. You know, they are my therapists that I don't have to pay often. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I pay in food, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Oh, sometimes they're the best kind of therapy, you know? Okay, well, let's start a little bit um, about your story and kind of your childhood and kind of what brought you to fostering these kiddos and kind of, you know, how what happened in your life that prompted you to do this? Because I know you have a very interesting story. I love it. Absolutely. So you'll have to stop me along the way, you know. Oh, no, I want to hear it all. (laughs) Might need a week to explain all that. But (laughs) but really, I grew up, you know, I think as kids, when we grow up, a child kind of forms us what life is or Mm. the dreams, you know, that are ahead of us. So for me, I had a childhood that had zero dream, zero hope, zero anything you could think of. You know, grew up in a place where life was miserable in every shape, form uh, you could imagine, you know. So poor that my mom could never find food for us for a day. You know, I grew up in a home where we could not have beans and potatoes at the same time because that was too much food that we would, you know, rationalize the food. So we have beans today and then tomorrow we have the potatoes or or vice versa. Mm. But also there was no hope in some way. You know, it's we, we try to explain to people that, 
when your mom can't feed you, when they don't have muscles to share with you, how do they tell you to dream? Like, how do they really inspire mm. you to, to be hopeful when they can barely survive through the day? And so that was my life. But, but also, poverty wasn't that just our family, but it was everyone, you know? Mm. So sometimes I think when, when you see others doing well, it gives you a glimpse of like, I would like to be like that family. Mm. Though our family is different. But for me, everyone around me is poor. All the kids who went to fetch water three to four miles away just to go one way, you know? So think mm. about, it takes you three hours to go get water and back another three. Like, when do you get to have a time to be a child, you know? Mm. And, and we had to start really early at the age of four. So for me, life was just not okay in some way because uh, every day was survival. Then at the age of four, I began to realize that my father was different. You know, I think at the age of four, that's when we kind of like, you compare dads, you know? Mm. So I would go visit or see other people's or my friend's dads, but they were different from my dad. You know, that my dad was just mean. Like literally, I never heard any positive word from my dad to say, you know how kids, we do things and we want to please our parents. But for right. me, I never heard one kind word. It was always, mm. you're garbage. You'll never mm. mount anything. I wish you were never born so I don't have to feed you. And you had that every day. Like, how do you be hopeful? Like, how do you see the future for you when mm. you have that kind of a, a family? Then at the age mm. of 10, I think for me was, I knew my dad would take my life, but I was like, why should I let him? Like, why mm. should I give him the joy to take my life? So I had never been 20 miles away and I just thought, look, I would rather die in the hands of another person than my own dad. So mm. I went to the bus station and I asked the lady, hey, which bus goes the farthest? Because oh. I had never been that far at 10 years old. You kind of, you know. But the reason why I asked was how far can I run that my father will never see me. Mm. But if I die, he will never have my dead body. Like I did not want mm why over my dead but I was like no literally I was like I will not give you that opportunity so wow. that was the reason why I ran away and I, I got on that bus and I, I didn't know where I was going but somehow as a kid I was like panicking of course worried that oh god she's gonna find me every car that passed by I'm like oh he's in that car and I mm. was under the chair just worried so finally I made it to Kampala and I knew I had one option that one option was to be a street kid mm. Because I saw other kids there and I knew I had found my family. I knew I had found people who understood me. And quickly I learned how to survive, you know. On the streets of Kampala, we were more like, like think of stray animals, like garbage, you know. Mm. Uh, that, that's how people treated us, you know. That life was really slow and but also dangerous. For me, at home, I, I was dreaming of having a night. <laughs> On the streets, you're dreaming about, do I have another hour? Because... Mm. One, we ate in the garbage and sometimes would eat things that would really take my friend's life because it was mm. acidic or it's poisonous that a child would die just like that. We would also sleep under the buses or under cars and sometimes they would drive off without checking, you know? Oh, and so think about like you, you, you have a group of 20 kids you, you, you live with or you survive with, but at the end of the day, numbers shrink, you know? Oh my gosh. And this was, sorry to stop you real quick. This was in Uganda, correct? Yes. This is in okay. Kampala, in Uganda. Okay. Okay. You, you know, and, and that was my life as a 10 year old, 11 year old, 12 year old, you know, that, that became my life. Mm. But as we kids, we learned how to survive. We knew if we can pretend to help, we'll find a way to steal food. 
mm. but also we will be useful to people who wanted to use us in mm. every shape form you could imagine. So being productive was easier, but also it, you know, it made the day go a little bit longer because we are busy helping, but two, it was easy to steal someone you're helping mm. because people took advantage of us. And I mean, I lived in the streets for four and a half. No one ever called me by my name. No one ever asked me like, kid, what is your name? You know, mm. I was garbage. I was a street kid. I was referred as a dog because we shared the same meals as dogs. We mm. started in the same dustbin, uh, garbage place, like animals. So in some way, people saw us, we were less of human being. Mm. And so that became my life every day. Uh, you know, we had a system, you know, I would steal bananas. The next kid would steal a potato. The next one would steal. So at the end of the day, we would have different foods. Wow. Roast. We would not take things that we can cook. It was only things we can roast, put over the fire every night and be able to sleep. I mean, we didn't sleep. We had (laughs) in a day, I would sleep maybe an hour or (sighs) that was it. But also the trauma that even the kids we bring in our homes, especially foster kids, I think it's easy to see them and say they are okay, they are normal, or they should follow the rules. But when you've come from a world of survival, when you've come from a world yeah. where people tell you you'll never mount anything, it, it's really hard to believe you could be somebody, even when yeah. someone is trying to really reach out and, and help. And, and I think as false parents, uh, that can be tough for us because we, we love these kids, but we, we right. want to give them the best. But sometimes they, they just do the opposite and you're like, how could you? Right. And, and I think for me, trying to share my own journey, like it's taken me so many years to overcome that, you mm-hmm. know, to see the best in me because someone else saw it. And that's how it began. So as street kids, as I said, we, we stole and we always, you know, uh, found a way to help and find some something to eat. So mm-hmm. one day I saw this man, he was wearing glasses, he was wearing khaki, he was speaking English. So for me, it was like, mm. there's my target. So <laughs> So I walk towards him because usually you wait for them to buy something and then you lift it, say, I will take it for you to the mm. car. But before I could take it, he's like, wait, 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 put it down. What's your name? You know? So when he asked me my name, that rattled me. I was like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. You don't want to know my name because wow. no one had ever, ever bothered to know my name. Mm. So that made me stop. Like, why would you want to know my name? You know, I'm a thief. I'm dirty. I am trying to take advantage of you to find a meal. Why would you want to know my name? But also that really scared me because sometimes when people were kind, it followed with abuse. Mm -hmm. So even him wanting to know my name, for me, that was a red flag. Run for your life. Right. Yeah. Oh, I bet. So so then I told him my name is Peter. uh, And then, you know, I helped him to carry the things. And before I could steal a banana, he gave me something to eat, you know? Wow. and then I walked away as quickly as possible. As I said, when you're kind, it was also a sign of travel. So I walked away. But then I saw him the next week. And then he mm. said again, he said, but this time he addressed me as Peter. I was like, wow, he remembers my name, you know? Wow. Uh, and then he did the same thing. And then I saw him the third time. The fourth time, I kind of knew what car he drives, when he comes, where he parks his car, what he buys. Like I knew this day. Of the week, it was usually Monday between six and seven that I would get some board address me by name, you know? How? And, and looking forward to him wasn't so much about the food he was offering, but I think I felt human because he addressed mm. me by my name, you know? All these years, I thought I was less of a human 
because no one really wanted to know who I was, you know. Right. I, was, I was put in a lump sum on a lump or on a group of animals. That's how they viewed me. So for me, I was always excited you know, for sure, you know. So, so he fed me for one year and a half. Wow. Again, he's why one year and a half. Trust for people like me doesn't come easily, you know. Mm. You earn it. But two, you have to help me overcome so many bumps along the way mm. to understand trust or to even want you in my, in my life. So mm. for him, for providing me a meal every week, that was consistent, you know, that when he, when he said, would you ever want to go to school? To me, it was, it was, yes, it was scary because he's like, would you want to go to school? And I was like, come on, don't you know I'm a street kid? Don't you know I would never amount to anything? Don't you know I am just nobody? Like, why would you want to offer me school in some way? Mm. And for American follow, for American viewers or listening right now, school might seem normal to you. But think this way. It's like me telling you, would you like to go to the moon? Would you? Mm. Sure. What? <laughs> but, <laughs> exactly. but it's not going to happen. <laughs> exactly. You're laughing because it's not something you dream about. No, no thinking about so it's more right. like it's a far reach it's funny I mean that's for me how yeah I school, oh yeah school was a far reach it was something that I knew I never would be able to attend but I had been told I'll never amount to anything all my life you don't mm. you don't when someone says would well, you like to go to school you're like uh no yeah. but, but because he had fed me for one year and I said look I would go to school to please you for one day that's what I oh my gosh so my, my whole idea of going to school was like you fed me for one year i can do you a favor and go to school for one day oh. but before we could go he said wait a minute school there will be lunch dinner and breakfast because it was mm. a boarding school i mean literally i didn't hear about anything else i was like there's food? I mean, is that possible that there can be food? So my curiosity of wanting to know if there's really food is why I went. Check it out. Wow. You know, honestly, if it's real. And for, for, for your listeners who are foster parents, we know kids when they don't, it's not like they don't trust you, but they're not sure what you're offering. Mm -hmm. And I think that was for me. Can food be there? And mm. sure enough, so when, once we got there, they you know, they gave me lunch and then I waited for dinner. So for me, I was waiting for the meal. I wasn't really like I was there for school, but I wanted the meal and I mm. waited. I didn't go to class because I was like, no, this meal is coming. So I'll wait. Breakfast came, I waited. Lunch, I waited. The, the, almost into a week, I thought, wait a minute. If I'm to keep eating the meal, I think I have to find a way to have it. And I knew going to class was the only way, you know? Mm. So I went to class because I wanted to have the meal. And wow. That's why I stayed in school. It wasn't like I wanted to go to the next grade. It right. Like for the next semester. To me, it was like, okay, the next meal, the next meal. Okay, what do I do so I can have the next meal? That's all I was thinking about, you know? And for me as a foster dad, it's just a joy to see my kids. Mm when they're in the world that we sometimes don't understand, you know, will the food be enough? When you've lived mm -hmm. seven, four, seven years or 10 years with never food being there, think about the flight mode, the, the safety mode you're always thinking about, food, food. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I can be honest, there's no way I could have done anything in class if my tummy wasn't full. Like I couldn't Right, right. It was the only way I could feel, okay, I can sit down 
and really think through and calm down because I had eaten, you know? Right. Oh. But then the next six hours was, do I get that meal? <laughs> right. Do I get that meal? <sighs> and then, you know, I'd been on the, you know, at school for six months and then he invited me to go to his home. So when he invited me, it was lunch and it was a Sunday. And I was so worried because uh, they put on the table and then for me, I looked for the exit though, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet. Because for my father, every time he came before we ate, we would never eat that food. So we always mm. had to eat it before he came. If you didn't, it would go through the window or come towards you. So for me, once they gave me food, I was waiting for the exit because I was waiting for the chaos like this someone's gonna throw food so I find my exit out and I waited and I waited it didn't come and then the other thing they did they pulled the chair on the main dining table and said Peter this is for you to sit down you know so I am sitting there thinking like this is a show you know like it can be true you know right oh dad talks to his kids this dad smiles this dad hasn't thrown uh, uh, something at somebody. This can't be true. This is just a show. So I waited for that to happen. And mm. did happen. So they took me back to school. And then they brought me the next week. It, you know, still, it was the same kindness, loving each other, mm. family at the dinner. So at, at that point, I think that's when I began to really see, that's the family I want to be. If that mm. man is family that way, I want to be that way, you know? Mm. So then I began taking school in, so seriously because I knew I, it's, it's funny when these people say you should just do this so you can be somebody. I'm like, well, when you have no example of what that is, it's hard to pursue what you don't know, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, but too, his family began using words of affirmation, like words that I mm. never had before, you know? Uh, and I, I can vividly remember one time. So in Africa, most people don't have cars during mm. my time. So usually the driver was the husband and the next seat will be for the wife and the kids in between and anyone else in the back. You know, that's kind of how we knew, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the <laughs> order how you, you, you sit in the car. So one day his wife was in the car and he said, Peter, you know, sit in front. I was like, no, you know, I told him like, no, I don't, it's not my seat. I don't feel like I'm, I'm worthy sitting there. I said, no, Peter, mm. you're special. You matter to us. I mean, I had never heard those words. Wow. But to this day, I can remember what he was wearing, where he was standing, and what he mm. told me. Because he meant so much. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't that I sit in the car. It was the seat position, his wife's seat, that he wanted me to sit, that I didn't feel I was worthy. That mm. really began to really change my whole life, you know? Yeah. That if maybe she, she thinks I'm special, maybe I'm special, you know? But then how I acted at school changed, you know? Now I knew that, hey, if this man believes I belong, if this man believes I'm a gift, then I ought to act differently mm. of what he thinks of me, you know? So then I began to do well at school, you know, from an F class to a D. And then the teachers would say, Peter, you are so smart. You made a D, you know? And wow. that way I said, if you think I'm smart, I can make a C, you know? Yes. So all the way I began to see that, that's not the standards of what I set for, but how far I can go, you know? Oh. My standards were so, so low uh, that really uh, the strangers saw the potential in me that I did not see myself. And, and that's kind of really, you know, the joy of, of being a false parent or even being a biological parent, you mm-hmm. know? 
we get to emulate and want to be what our kids would be, you know. Uh, and, and sure enough, so I excelled in school. Not only did I excel uh, in high school, I really did well. And I went to university in Uganda, mm. you know, and then that's how I got a scholarship to go study in England. And that's how I came to the United States. Wow. Because of someone believing in me or someone seeing the best in me that I didn't see and stuck by me. It wasn't like mm. he, he put me in and then one week he left and then he, you know, he consistently was. Consistency. Yes. Uh, and he began, you know, he, even his family would always use those words. Peter, you're a gift to us. Me? What do you mm. mean I'm a gift? You know? Wow. <laughs> wife would say, Peter, you're chosen. And when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mike, are you, are you but my dad told me I was not. I wish he mm. I was dead that he didn't have to feed me. So those words really began to mean so much that I uh, I began to really dream big and see that I had a potential to do more. Uh, and that really changed my life uh, uh, in some way. So that, that's a little beginning of yeah. really how I escaped. The, and that's the reason why I wrote the book, so people can see how I beat the odds, you know? Yes, and, yes. And, and, and I think as parents, especially if you're a false parent, that it's not a one time. It's you chip on one little wound, it goes away. Then you go to the next. And slowly by slowly, that we who have gone through trauma, we get to see the best we have that we didn't see before. Mm. But the old wounds have to go away in order for us to see that. And that's what he helped me do by using words of affirmation, by being consistent, and by always showing me that I had the best to offer than I thought or than I knew. Uh, and that's yeah. yeah. Right. And I think that's so, it's so important what you just said about these kiddos that have experienced trauma. And for us, like our son, we, he, we, he came to our home when he was a month old. So he was very young. And then the girls were 14 months and two and a half years old. So all fairly young. So, you know, and you learn as you go. I feel like now if I was to become a foster parent again at this point, it would be with a lot more information than I did back then. But, you know, you learn what you learn when you learn it. So I, but I, I remember thinking, oh, they're so young, so there's not really that much trauma involved, or they haven't really been through too much. Well, yeah, they have. And you, you learn even about like these children and babies that have this in utero trauma. Right. And that's with my son. I thought, oh, he's, he's a month old. Like he has experienced nothing. Well, his first month of life was very traumatic. And so, you know, in my mind as you know, more uneducated that I am now, you think they won't, 
yeah, we'll be great. And, and then you educate yourself when, when some issues start coming up and you realize, oh no, this goes very deep. And, and like you said, it's, it's ongoing. You think you got a handle on something and you do, and then something else comes up and maybe something new that you never, you know, haven't seen in six years, all of a sudden will come up. And it's like, okay, how are we going to handle this? How do we, you know, what type of education do we need now to handle this new situation? And, and I think that's where you, you are so unique in this is you have experienced a deep level of trauma. So I think, oh my gosh, you're, you're so relatable for these kids. And you, um, I mean, I'm sure you're just a perfect dad because you, uh, you know how, like, I'm sure in a heated moment, you know exactly how to respond. Uh, <laughs> but but it's learning, you know, and like for for me, I would say I experienced very low levels of trauma as a child. I had a loving home, middle class, um, and, and still feel very privileged in my life. And so you really do as an adoptive parent or a foster parent, I think you, for me, I had to learn so much about um, the brain, how the brain works, how trauma is for these kiddos and how, um, it changes their brain developmentally. And to really put myself at a different level in a, with parenting on like, Oh, I never thought I would parent this way. You know, the kids just listen to me. Yeah. I'm the boss. They listen to me. If they don't, they're grounded for a week. Like you, you know, you have this idea of what parenting is going to be like. And, and it's not every child's different, every situation's different. And then exactly like you said, with, with foster kiddos or adoptive kiddos, it's ongoing. And even the, you know, the, the adoption triangle, you know, it, even if there was, let's just say no trauma involved at all or anything, you still have this other part of this child's life that is not a part of you and never will be. And so to keep that in mind, it's, it's not like, you know, I think people think, oh, you adopted, how cool. And then that's it. It's yeah. not. It's forever this triangle of, you know. They, they, they kind of told them, you know, they didn't question why their parents left them. But now they are at 14. They're like, but right. why did my mother leave me? You know, so now yes. deal with that, you know. Right. It's constantly like, you know, evolving in some way. Um, you know, and, and, and that's for me how I got attracted to Foscare. So mm, I, yes. I I had traveled over the world. You know, I grew up in Uganda. I had gone to Ethiopia, China, and all these countries. But I I, I had never seen a black person adapting in my country or abroad. There were always Caucasian families who Mm. were, you know? Yep. So in in my head, I thought, you have to be white. You have to be married to to do this. (laughs) And I even asked in Ethiopia, I said, is there a chance I can adapt? They're like, no, you are a male. So no way. You know, Mm. so... You know, so but when I came to United States, I was like, I really want to help kids in the force care, but I know I don't qualify because I had believed the lie I had watched along the way. For me, I walked in the force care system. I said, Hey, can I mentor teenagers? I thought at least they'll give me, you know, an opportunity to feed them for lunch. You know, so the right. Hey, have you ever thought of being a foster dad? To which I replied, I don't qualify. She said, why? I said, I'm single. And she's like, who told you you can't? You can't. If you're I'm like, I can't? I mean, that day I signed up. And, you know, since then I've had 24 kids. 
And right now I have, you know, I have four, I've adapted one I'm in the process of adapting the other. But, but for me, I think the attraction to, to be a foster parent wasn't so much that I'm a good dad. It was so much that I understood their world so yeah. well, you know, Absolutely. but also I understood how someone had come alongside my own journey that I knew I can impact someone else, that I knew the triggers, that I knew the, the things they go through. I knew the, the sabotage. I knew the doubts I, that I knew I can truly be there for, for mm. But I think for me too, I wanted to do, you know, uh, too much is given, much is required. But I wanted to follow that journey that he gave me so much. I didn't have a family. He gave me a family. I didn't mm. have hope. He gave me hope. I didn't have a future. He gave me a future. I didn't have anything but by him believing in me and having, you know, uh, to put up with all the trash I had to go through and still love me unconditionally that I knew I wanted to do the same. So yeah. for me, once they said, you can't, I'm literally, I said, how many can I have? You know, <laughs> and, and it's truly been a joy in some way because my kids, I understand them, you know, mm. um, you know, I, 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 my 18 year old, he, he's learning to drive. So I wanted to surprise him with a car, you know, to go with a driver to, to drive. Oh. So I told him, I said, the driver is coming at school and they're taking you driving. And he's like, no, do not bring them here. I don't want to. I don't want to. Please, please tell mm. him. To come. But right away for me in my head, I was like, okay, if that was me, what would I do? Sabotage, sabotage. Number two, sabotage, sabotage, sabotage. Self-doubt. You know? mm, yeah. So I to school and I, you know, I said, you know, hey, son, I know you're smartest kid. I know you do so wonderful driving is just an opportunity that you should do you know mm -hmm. they looked at me i said but why are you doubting he said because no one had ever done something for me like that and so i did not know or i didn't think i deserved it so mm -hmm. me saying no wasn't about driving i just i just i don't know what i didn't know what to say yeah but i knew from the get-go as soon as he said no i knew i knew what he meant and for me to walk with him and say it's gonna be okay and he went to drive, and of course, a few hours later, he's like, I am the best driver ever. <laughs> well, 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 you know? And, and so going through the, the, my own trauma really helps me on, on how to, to, to help, even to help other families, you know? Right. On call yesterday from a family, they just got a teenager, and the comment was, he eats so horrible, you know? And mm. to introduce him to healthy food, I'm like, stop, please, do not go there, you know? Yep. Uh, and I'm said you're worried about the food, but for him that food isn't just food; it's safety. It's the, you know, where he's coming from. He's ate all that life, so it really brings you know a joy, but also the time you know a, a little taste of what a farmer is. So you can't; it's junk to you, <laughs> right? It's it's more than junk, you know. Mm -hmm. said, do not, but you will introduce him to food you want to as time goes on. It should not be your mission. It should not be your goal, you know? Right. Your goal is to love him no matter what. And, and, they, and it was amazing. They look back, they're like, I never thought that way. And I said, you know, safety comes in different ways, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, on what we know, the smells we know, uh, the comfort we know is through things that we've done before. And that food is comfort to him. Not, not so much about junk, but it's all he's known, you know? Right, Mind right. Um, it reminds me of his brothers. It's the test he understands and feels comfortable with. And they're like, how do you know? Like, how uh, do you, <laughs> you come to know? I'm like, well, 
I was one of those, you know, I was one of them. Right. You know, I have my little kid, he's tall, you know, he every time we go to the store, he will always go to the bathroom and I'm like, something's off, you know? And one day I, I, I saw him take a candy and go to the bath, took the bathroom. So I also picked up one and I went to the bathroom, you know? <laughs> I opened the candy and I started chewing and I'm like, man, this tastes good. And he's looking at me like, what in the world? Like, what? <laughs> I said, can you pull yours so we can eat together? And he just kind of like, I mean, he just turned blue, but oh. at the same time, I, he just kind of like, did you just steal that candy and eat it? I'm like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't want to accuse him for doing so. I wanted to be in his shoes and say, it is, it's yum. It tastes good. Yes. But after, you know, after we drove home, I said, son, I used to steal every day. That was my day to day life. Mm. No. So I understand when you want that candy and you can't get it. I get it, you know. But someone intervened in my life and helped me, you know. Mm. Otherwise, I would have been in jail. And I don't think I would have ever been your dad, you know. Mm-hmm. But he helped me. And so here's the deal. Every, come, every time we go to the store, I'll give you $2 to spend. So you don't have to steal it. $2. So deal? Deal. Mm. And since then, he's never done you know, but I had to be in his shoes. Yes. I, him, I had to be, uh, to really show him like, I can do the same, but he's what my future was and he's how someone turned it and I'm doing the same. Would you walk with me, you know? Right. I never accused him of sitting ever, you know? Mm. I wanted to understand why I said they never give me candy. Mm. They would hide it. And even if it was my birthday, they would hide it if I did one small mistake, you know? Mm. I said, you don't have to do that. I promise you always have candy mm. uh, for you, you know, but, but, but it took that because I was one of those kids. Right. Right. Good. And I needed to be in their shoes first. Yes. So we um, see that and, and it's been wonderful for sure. Oh, and I think that's where you're such a help to other foster parents, because when we haven't experienced that, it's very easy to just, Oh my gosh, why are you still late? What's wrong? You know what? And freak out. Rather than calmly, like you thought it through, obviously you have that experience, but I think even for us that, that don't, if we become educated, listen to people like you, we can make better choices when it comes to parenting, where we can kind of pause, because I know I have to do it pretty much every day, and just kind of, okay, what's going on right now? You know, is, is, are they hungry? I, do, what's going on that is causing this disruption in their life right now? And, but it's very hard. And I think it's for my husband and I, it's been such a learning experience, but a lot of it, I think for me, we've done like the TBRI trainings, which is like my favorite. I mean, we did every parenting class you can imagine we did. And I'm like, no, this doesn't work for our child. Like, no, do you want to know what happens if I do this? And, um, And then we found TBRI and I was just blown away. I'm like, this is it. This is meant for foster kiddos. Yes. I mean, all kiddos, but yeah, the trust base. The trust base to know. I mean, and that's for me. I trusted him because he fed me for one year and a half. Right. Had he fed me a week and said, go to school, of course, there's no way. Right. But even even for our kids, when, you know, when my kids say, I love you seven times in about 30 minutes, 
I always, not like I question, but I always go, there has to be something internally going on, you know? Right. I know I need to assure them that I love them because they're questioning it on the other end, you know? Right, right. So, like, as a parent, and I love what you're doing, like you're learning 24-7, and I think yeah. like, for parents and adaptive parents, like literally you're driving, and sometimes I feel like I need a note when I'm driving because they say things, I'm like, wait, 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 wait what, what, what? Right, right, we're gonna, we're gonna have to come back to this. <laughs> Can, can we make a note so I can come yes. back to that? You know, it's like, yes. You're constantly learning, you know, you're, uh, and it's for you. How old are your kids? Um, nine, 10, and 14. And 14, yes. You know, at every stage that you get to learn, they're, they're different kids. Uh, yep. The trauma comes in a different way. Uh, you know, so it, it, it's amazing. And that's for me what I, I'm really passionate about, to really be an advocate for kids, you yeah. know, and, and to remember to share with everyone, especially your listeners too, the behaviors is never mm. a problem, you know? Right. Roots, when we discover the roots where it's coming from, that we can help uh, help kids, you know? Uh, uh, th- there was something, you know, I, I love this, you know, something that happened in, in Africa, in, in my country. You know, the kids were dying in a valley, you know, and they were wondering why most kids were dying. And then they figure out, like, it's where the source of the water, where the source of the water was coming from that was being poisoned for the kids to, you know. But but they could have they could have fed, they could have treated the kids every day, but they needed to learn the source of the water. Where is the water coming from? And once they figured out that's where the bacteria were coming from, they solved the problem. You know? Right, right. That kids, you know. Yeah. The, the behaviors is just it's just a little fruits of what's going in. Right. Internally. What's uh, really going on? Yes. And if we can help them along the way, uh, it, it's a joy. It's a yeah. joy. Yeah. And it is. It's so exciting to see progress and results along the way. Because sometimes it's like, I... I don't think nothing's changing or nothing. I'm not doing anything useful here. And then something will happen where it's like, oh, oh my gosh, yay, I did something right. And I, I like what you said there, even about the source or going back to the root of the problem, because this is why I kind of, I started the podcast is my journey in the last two to three years has been going back to my root and, or my roots and realizing, and a lot of it came out on how I parent. And realizing I've got a lot of work to do on me Mm -hmm. before I can show up as a really good parent that I want to be, but I'm struggling with. And that's a journey I've been on. And so I think, okay, I'm 40 years old. I mean, 42 or or something now, but I, you know, basically at 40, 25. Yes. Is that what you said? Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, as a old, you know, a woman figuring this out, you know, it's never too late. And that's what I, you know, I like to, to share with other people. It's yeah. I wish at 30, I would have been a different kind of mom, but I wasn't, but I got to do what I can now, you know? And, and it's been going back to the source, going back for me internally and getting the help I need in order to help these traumatized children and realizing more their needs. Um, because again, I, I haven't experienced like that trauma that you have, but there is some level that definitely is impacting my life where it's like, okay, I got to deal with this before I can help these kiddos. Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, and too, you know, when I was going through the, the, the map class to be licensed, I realized that they were teaching me about the kids, but I, to me, they were teaching me how, yes. how my own, how my own behaviors, how I was 
parented as a kid, how those behaviors are going to come in. So we take it as, I like what the, the teacher would say, say, you've been trained to be this kind of a parent in this for 30 years. Right, right. <laughs> and the shit it off and it's like, uh, well, you do things because that's why your mom did. You do yes. That's why you yes. That, but you never questioned why. But uh, now you have a kid that, look, you have to change the way you, you, you look at things. You're triggered, you know, you're triggered by yep. things they say, things they do. Because your parent journey had some baggage with that. So yes. it was a joy to say, okay, this class is for me. For me, everybody. We are going to take a break right now. You can hear the rest of my conversation with Peter in episode two, which I will be posting at the same time as this, so you do not have to wait. You can find Peter at nowiamknown.com and find out where to pre-order his book there, as well as find all of his social media handles. And if you just can't wait to hear more of my voice, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at official Pant. You can also find me on YouTube and Facebook as Shanny Pants. And you can go to shannypantsshow.com for all of that information. You can find all this information in the show notes as well. Don't ever silence your voice. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.